This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ho, 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 ho. M.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Um. Oh, oh my. What? Oh, it's not too late. It's what? not too late. For you what? there, boy. <laughs> boy. Yes, sir. What day is it? <laughs> it's about <laughs> ten days after Christmas, sir. <laughs> oh, I'm not too late. <laughs> boy, take these shillings and go buy me the, the biggest Christmas goose you can find. <laughs> uh, I... I might have trouble finding them, sir, because it's a, a long time after Christmas. Christmas has already passed, sir. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's still 2017, yes? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so, actually. Probably not when this episode comes out. It'll be just past that, sir. Oh. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, baby nation. Um, have we got an episode for you this week? It's a Christmas episode. You were just winding down. You just, last weekend, you probably put away your, uh, decorations. You took down your lights. You packed everything up in the closet. You made your returns. Some of the gifts you didn't want, you send them back to Amazon. You get a credit. Christmas is behind you. You're starting to make plans for the, the long MLK Jr. weekend coming up. But guess what, Baby Nation? Christmas is not fucking finished with you. <laughs> it's Christmas time. It's back. It's zombie Christmas. Zombie Christmas. Back from the dead. Oh, uh, I don't want a lot for Christmas. Uh, I guess, fine. There is just one thing I need. What? All I want for Christmas is another Babysitter's Club Club Christmas episode. Hi, hi. Baby. Sorry, we're finished. Hi, hi, and welcome. (coughs) Are you done? Coughing? It's singing. First it's singing, and then it's coughing. You've got it out of your system? Because we're this is a professional operation. I'll be totally honest. Probably not. Okay, fine. I'll be totally honest and introduce this podcast. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club. 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 A podcast in which the two hosts introduce themselves. I'll begin. I'm Jack Shepard. And I, Tanner Greenring. What? Bring you this week's Babysitters <laughs> Club book. Written by Ms. Anna Martin. First of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. And that book, Baby Nation, was... Get your mistletoe ready, because it was Mallory's Christmas Wish. Christmas is in the air. It's that, it's the, it's that it's, time of year. It's that time it's of the year. Reason, reason for the season. Yep. And the reason for the season is Mallory's Christmas Wish. Anne M. Martin, uh, Stormborn Sanctified Soul Skinner, um, and Mother of Clocks, hates us. Yeah. She really and fucked us this, this year. She hates what we stand for. She made us do a Thanksgiving episode in December. And now here we are 
in January with a Christmas book. This is the first Christmas-oriented main canon book. Correct. In the past, holidays will come up. We're kind of contextually aware of the season and like what time of year it is in all the books. But it's fairly easy to ignore, mm-hmm. and we can talk about like the major plot points of the book without really having to get into the time of year it is. But now Anne wants to do it differently. Well, I imagine that's going to be a real nightmare if we continue to be three weeks ahead of where Anne thinks we are. Oh, gosh, you're right. We're going to have like a MLK Day episode. It'll be MLK. Coming up. Yeah, and then it'll be Valentine's Day, or or President's Day. Oh, God. And we'll be in, like, May. Like, we're both going to be wearing white, and it's, like, three weeks past the Labor Day episode. <sighs> that would be... That's going to be humiliating for us. <laughs> that's going to be deeply humiliating. <laughs> um, well, uh, you got to mold with the clay that God gave you, as they say, or as I just uh, made up. Uh, and the the clay by which I mean book, that God, by which I mean Anne, gave uh-huh. us this week, is a Christmas book called Mallory's A Christmas Wish. We're in the upside down now. All right, well, Baby Nation, put on your Christmas hats. Get out your finest Christmas jackets. Um, Fetch me the fattest Christmas goose you can find, boy. Go kiss somebody, or if you have nobody, uh, maybe kiss the crook of your elbow underneath kiss the, the mistletoe kiss dirt loser <laughs> too mean uh, too, too, yeah too mean <laughs> i was already being fairly mean <laughs> to people who don't have anybody <laughs> yeah go if you take um let's see if you take like I'm trying to think of what this what would work well for this i guess if you take two strawberries mm mm-hmm. mhm you can practice kissing on those. I'm just trying okay. to think of something sort of like soft and, and wet. Find something soft, moist, and pliant and kiss it underneath the mistletoe. Kind of in the shape of two lips and practice right. kissing on it under the mistletoe. Yeah. Uh, to get into the mood, maybe ring some bells. Uh, if you have any reindeer, invite them into your home. Maybe you can go to the bar and show off how good you are at kissing and <laughs> make a connection before New Year's because... If you don't have someone to kiss for two holidays in a row, (laughs) that's going to be tough for you. That's going to be tough. There's only so much practicing you can do. And that's why, presumably, you're listening to this dating advice podcast. And in case you didn't get the dating advice, the dating advice is, and Tanner, correct me if I'm wrong, get a couple strawberries. Or something wet and pliable. Like strawberries, mm. uh, mash them together, yeah. kiss them up first in the comfort of your own home to get good at it, to practice, and, th- yeah. and then to a local singles bar, right? And then kiss them up real good in that local singles bar, so that the local singles can know and Show, see yeah, so how see good you how are. Good you are at kissing uh, the kissing, yeah. And if none of that sounds interesting to you, kiss yeah. the ground, kiss dirt. <laughs> Tanner, let's describe this novel. Um, okay. Can I paint a picture for, for Baby Nation? Okay. Um, I read this book the other day mm-hmm. for our planned Wednesday record. We always record on Wednesday, Baby mm-hmm. Nation. Um, you couldn't. I couldn't. You forgot. You forgot to read the book. Is that true? Yeah, because I sent you a text on Wednesday morning and said, we recording tonight? And you said, huh, interesting. <laughs> Here we are, Friday night. 
It's Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Tanner. Everybody's getting ready for the weekend, weekend. And I have m- forgotten most of the details of this book, so oh, I'm going to lean heavily on you this week. Okay, good. Well, that's a good segue. Why don't we start with my description of this book, which will be an excellent way to jog your memory. Fine. Containing, as it always does, many of the salient and important elements of the plot. My memory mm-hmm. is full of Friday lyrics by Rebecca Black. Oh, and what a good song. Yeah. Um, this has been your Forgotten Meme of the Week, starring Tanner oh, yeah, I forgot. Ring only. That's a good segment. We should incorporate that more into it. We're like Reply All, you and me. Yeah, we're like Reply All. We have often been described as, or we should be described as, rep- like Reply All, but for idiots. Yeah. Mostly, 90% of the time they talk about Babysitter's Club books. Yeah. But 10% of the time they very vaguely talk about... Um, some meme everyone hasn't thought about in yeah. eight years. On Reply All, they do like a profound and and informative deep dive into the modern state of social media. Right. Uh, but here we occasionally reference old memes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Instead of describing these books. Rarified air up here. You, me, PJ, Alex. Yeah. Um. You know what I should do, Tanner, is describe this novel. I already asked you to. And well, you good. I'm going fucking going to. Got us off on to. a tangent. No, no. You did. I'm going to describe this book. And I'm going to begin now. Can you cue up some, like, uh, tasteful Christmassy music? Your edit. You, okay, fine. You cue it up. I'll fucking cue it up. Fine. Fine. Jack, cue up some tasteful Christmassy music. A light blanket of snow has fallen over the charming little town of Stony Brook, and there's a feeling of electric anticipation in the cool, crisp winter air that can only mean one thing. Christmas is coming. And as surely as Christmas season in Stony Brook means trees with lights and parcels with bows and gingerbread men with broad, icing smiles, it means that Mallory Pike, the town's eccentric but kindly chronicler, is going to have one of her harebrained schemes. And this year it's a doozy. Going back to the old ways. Leaving the modern world behind with all its gadgets and its gizmos and its greed. And reaching into the past for a forgotten magic that comes with the simple, old-fashioned joys of family, faith, and fellowship. But for Mallory's dream to come true, she's going to need a miracle. Fortunately for Mallory, Christmas is the time for miracles. Mallory's Christmas wish. Tanner? Hi. Hi. Very good. You liked it, huh? Loved it, man. Okay. God, you're such a talent. Thank you. It means a lot. Is there a reason that you chose to show your appreciation for my talent by pretending to fall asleep on your pop filter? Uh, I, um, I guess the reason for that is I forgot you could see me. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to offend you. Well, that's all that matters. Because turnabout is fair play, and you're going to have to describe this book. Except yeah, my description is energetic. 
Mm. It's dynamic. I would say... It's got hot blood. One in five times that is accurate. Coursing through its heart. That's my Alex Jones impersonation. Oh, good. Fun. That's fun. <laughs> That's in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> All right, my man, you're going to energetically describe this novel. I don't remember. For some reason, I'm nervous on your behalf because I think you have no idea what happened in this book. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's a fucking good book this week, Tanner. We were nipple deep in a deep sea of Sweet Pete's sweet, sweet treats this week. That's what most of my notes are, actually. They're just Sweet Pete notes. Sweet Peter Loran just penned this one, and he did a fucking good job. I can't quite say that it was good, clean babysitting fun, because there wasn't a lot of babysitting. I think a component, if a book wants to qualify as GCBSF, babysitting needs to be the A plot. Right, And right. this was not a babysitting heavy book. As Christy says at some point in this book, maybe she says we shouldn't be described as babysitters anymore. We should be described as elder sitters. Right. Because um, they take care of a bunch of old people. Or because they are plagued by the tantalizing background forces of the elder gods. Right. But I think the former. I mean, it's probably a little bit of both, to be honest. Stony Brook is a paranormal hotspot. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both. Stony Brook, Connecticut, uh, Anne and Pete did a lot of triangulating this week. Did you catch on to that? Uh-uh. Because there's a hotshot Hollywood producer in town, mm-hmm. they mentioned that Stony Brook is in southern Connecticut. Okay. Which we kind of knew. Kind of. They also mentioned the tri-state area, so I feel like it's probably fairly close to the... New York border. Do you think we can find it? And then they say the town next, the next town over. Okay. It's called Mercer. Mercer? Yeah. Is that a real town? I don't know. I didn't look. I don't do my homework. No, you certainly don't. No. Okay, so that's not super helpful. There's a place called Mercer Advisors. There's a place called Mercer Jobs. There's a place called Mercer Salaries. In all of them in Norwalk, Norwalk, Connecticut. Okay. So that's a lead. We also probably know from previous books exactly how far Stony Brook is from Stamford. It's about 45 minutes. It's about 45 minutes. And we know how far it is from Grand Central. I think that... Not now, but at some point, we can get out a map and some pins and some thread and try to figure out exactly where the portal is in Connecticut that leads from our Connecticut to the fictional world of Stony Brook, Connecticut. Right. Okay. I feel like that would be worthwhile to do. Yeah, I think so too. We'll work on that. Mm -hmm. But we got a lot of clues this week, a lot of triangulating. And I will say that it's a hell of a thing to do merely as a way of procrastinating describing this novel, which is... Oh, God, you caught me. ...what it appears that you are doing. And I'd have gotten away for it, too. (laughs) If it wasn't for you meddling podcast hosts. Yeah. Uh, Do you want me to do it? Yeah, badly. Okay. Um, Here's what I'm going to do, Tanner. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have handy. Um, And during those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe... Everything that happens in this novel. Are you ready, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at my notes. Your notes are never helpful. Your notes are, are the, um, who's the guy who sprays paint on the canvas? Banksy. 
Uh, Hodges Swallow. No, come on. Sprays paint on the canvas. Jackson Pollock. Thank you. Your notes are the, are to what happened in this book, as Jackson Pollock is to portrait painting. It's mean. <laughs> like it's not a great way. It's mean to me and Jackson Pollock. <laughs> All right. I remember some of the details. All right. I'm going to begin this timer right now. All right, Baby Nation. It is Christmas time. Uh, Mallory decides she wants to have an old-fashioned Christmas with cranberries and popcorn on the tree and gifts that you make instead of buying consumer trash, capitalism pigs. Uh, Vanessa's so enamored by the idea that she submits it to a local TV contest. They decide that the Pikes won and they give them $10,000 to shoot a tv special about their christmas it's like christmas with the pikes uh they agree the tv crew comes they sh- they follow them around they shoot everything it's really annoying for everyone meanwhile uh uncle joe's nursing home is having a fundraiser to sell a bunch of stuff to build another wing and uh the girls all decide to help out with that and do free babysitting for that and to sell stuff um, it all kind of falls apart. The TV crew wreaks havoc everywhere they go, and um, they quit and give back the $10,000. And time. Um, good. Good job. I said wreaks havoc, and I meant wrecks havoc. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Just like wreck havoc everywhere they go. Perfect. Now you can just go and slot that in. I probably won't. Um, yeah, this is a weird one. It was a plot-heavy book. Yeah. We didn't learn anything new about Mallory. We did learn something new about Jesse. What did we learn about Jesse? She celebrates the holiday known as Kwanzaa. Does she? Yeah. I missed it. Let me um, pull it up. And like, I read that and I was like, why can't we just have a whole book about, like, I don't know anything about Kwanzaa and I want to know more. Why can't I have a Jesse Kwanzaa book instead of like a boring Mallory Christmas book? This was not a boring book, but I understand what you're saying. We opened our presents. Everyone loved the journals. We turned up the Christmas carols. We played a CD of Hanukkah songs that Abby had brought, as well as Jesse's Kwanzaa music. Huh. We ate like pigs and laughed a lot. Well, and that's all we know. She's the only character who grew this yeah. book. Um, we had a few new interesting characters. The, the TV crew? TV crew. Mr. Henry and his two camera people, Nestor and Jeannie. Jeannie. Yeah. And there's something sinister about them. I think they're just, um, I think they're showbiz types, you know? They show up at the door to the Pike's house with a $10,000 check that is based on an entry to a competition by Vanessa Pike, who is what, eight? Yeah, but she's a poet. Yeah, but this is like before Word Perfect. She, it's like scrawled in her like eight-year-old hand. I see where you're coming from. They show up with a $10,000 check. Here's what Mr. Henry says. I'm putting together a regular feature called Family First for our popular Values American Style show. By signing this contract, you become the focus of our gala winter special to be broadcast a year from now. Over this holiday season, we will become part of your family, as it were. We'll videotape your old-fashioned Christmas preparations and let you share your joy with the entire Southern Connecticut community. So it's a man named Mr. Henry who works for a show called Values American Style? 
The family first segment on values American style is not sound like a show I'm interested in watching. No, it's a, a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, it's. I see your point, but it's also like this isn't some public access bullshit. They have ten thousand dollars to spend for talent, right? Let alone the salaries and the equipment costs and the like on location. Uh, production budget for well, permits spending like three to four fucking permits they spent a bunch of time in the stony brook mall to right. like put together a show that is only going to be broadcast in southern connecticut one town over from mercer a year from now a year from now right i see what you're saying and i see how it could be sinister i think there's someone who's more sinister okay if someone gave you ten thousand dollars, which in nineteen ninety five bucks was like roughly seventeen thousand dollars, I looked mm-hmm. it up. Okay. If someone gave you seventeen thousand dollars, yeah, I would retire. And they're like, "I'm going to follow you around for a few weeks and just film your your everyday life." What would you say to that? Yes, please. Yes, please. Unless you have something to hide. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah. And the person who keeps kind of hemming and hawing and isn't quite sure if this is a good idea and sort of like leads the kids and the rest of the Pike family down this path of like, maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe we should just give the money back over and over again is John Pike. John Pike in the background. I think if anyone is sinister in this scenario, it's John Pike. He's always the one who's just like, I don't know if we should do this, kids. That's a good fucking point. And at the end, just like, uh, let's get them out of here. We'll just rip up the check and give it back to them. It's insane. Baby Nation, it's fucking insane. Like, the TV crew is annoying, and they get in the way of the Christmas that the Pike family had planned. Oh, my God. And fucking Nestor can't keep his fucking coffee cup in his hands to save his goddamn life. Yeah, Nestor drops his coffee cup like a million times, (laughs) um, which does not work with his namesake at all. (laughs) <laughs> you're familiar with Nestor of the Odyssey and the Iliad, right? Loved it, man. What a good joke. What? Your hot Nestor bit. What do you mean? You're just doing some fun, like, Nestor stuff. That's right, because Nestor is the wise Achaean in the yeah, Iliad. In the Iliad, right. Who's got a thousand hands, right? No. Oh, I'm thinking of someone else from the Iliad. <laughs> Who? Um, I don't remember. A genie? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Henry? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a very funny bit. It's funny to call back to Nestor, who is known for his wisdom and his sage advice. Um, Though he can can be a little bit of a figure of fun, um, but have him be this bumbling idiot. But that's not what I was talking about. Mr. Henry, Nestor, and genie are kind of annoying. Right. But they are not ten thousand dollars annoying no it makes no sense that mr pike hands back the check for ten thousand dollars on fucking christmas eve on christmas eve here's what's more suspicious mr pike doesn't hand back the check mr pike writes his own check for ten thousand dollars you know what my bank would do if i ever tried to write a paper check for ten thousand dollars they would perform a citizen's arrest they would just nuke my account (laughs) they would be like we assumed you died and that someone was hacking your account well and the pikes are not well off they're not like um the brewers 
No. They're just regular folk, and there's like a million of them. John Pike just wrote a check for $10,000. I hope he got like a million fucking like alerts on his phone. Maybe John Pike will just disappear into the night. Like, they wake up on the 26th, yeah. and like, Mr. Henry's banging on the door, and he's like, that $10,000 check bounced. And then oh. Mallory goes up to her parents' room, and her parents are just gone. That's good. Well, we should look into the future and see what the next Mallory book is called. If it's called, like, Pike's on the Run. <laughs> I want to know what John Pike is running from. I want to know what he's hiding. I want to know why he doesn't want this TV crew in his house. I mean, maybe he knows that if a man as good looking as he is ever gets on fucking television, even if it's only in Southern Connecticut, he's never going to hear the end of it. Maybe he's in witness protection. A guy that good looking? Yeah. Well, you can't keep a guy that good looking under wraps. He didn't just end up in Stony Brook. They had to put him there. They had to pass him through the veil, pass him through the portal, get him out of the public eye. Yeah, somebody as handsome as John Pike should be, by all rights. And Baby Nation, if you haven't seen a picture of John Pike, go find one. You want something to practice kissing with. Who? Boy. Actually, if you want something to practice kissing with, get a picture of John Pike. Take two strawberries, mash them Uh together, and put them on the sweet, sweet lips of that picture. Cut out the lips of the picture and put the strawberries behind it. Yeah. So they yeah. look and feel like real lips. And if they're not super moist, moist moisten them. Moisten them, yes. And then get your get your own lips and wrap your personal lips around those those John Pike strawberry lips. I'm trying to think of what else lips what else makes a good lip. I'm liking simulator. the strawberry thing. I think it works. They're um, kind of um seedy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel I feel what you're saying. Um, just imagine that you're kissing somebody who's been eating a lot of strawberry berries. Maybe two cocktail wieners. <laughs> you just practice kissing on those. That's yeah. if you're uh, not a vegetarian or vegan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, listen. John Pike is very handsome. John Pike is very handsome. He's very handsome, and, and he's got something to hide. If Everything was going the way it should go. His face should be plastered on every billboard throughout the continental United States. And beyond. And beyond. The fact that that is not happening means that something strange is going on, Um, which I think is borne out by this episode where he fucking writes a check for $10,000 just to get this TV crew out of his house. Keep them from uncovering his secrets. Yeah. They're like, oh, we just need some establishing shots of the basement. He's like, no. No. Don't go down there. Very interesting. Um, Tanner, I would love to go get a beer. Uh, I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay. fine. You say goodbye. You say goodbye. Do you say goodbye? No, you say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. You say it first. Goodbye. Tanner, no time, no waste time. We have a lot to fucking talk about. I'm interested. Uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, we spent too long talking about how fucking handsome John Pike is, and everybody already knows that. Um, let's talk about Jezebel and Daphne. From Team Rocket? What's that? From Pokemon? No. Are they called Jezebel and Daphne in Pokemon? I don't remember their names. No, from this novel. Blasting off again. No, f- Tanner, from this novel. And Meowth. Meowth is the name of a Pokemon. I know that because I bought one when we were in Tokyo together, and I gave it to my wife, Sarah, and she 
cuddles with it every night instead of me. Yuck. Yeah, I practice kissing on a strawberry. Tanner! She practices kissing on a Meowth doll. <laughs> That's a little bit too much insight into our relationship. Tanner! Yes. Jezebel and Daphne Cassoulet, as Mallory says, at the time... Oh, right. I was Jezebel Cassoulet. My best friend Jessica Ramsey, called Jessie, was my sister Daphne. We were French refugees visiting London for the first time. Did you not find it fascinating that they should take those particular names for their fantasy role play? Jezebel and Daphne? Oh, Jezebel, the popular blog. No, that the blog is named after spun it. off from Gawker. No, our friend Bobby works there. No, um, and what was Daphne. that one? Daphne? Yeah, from Fraser. <laughs> I don't think that's a reference because this is like early nineties. This is Fraser. Fraser was around then. When was this pubbed? I don't know, man. But ninety five, ninety six, probably winter of ninety five. <sighs> so let me. Tanner Googles. First episode, September nineteen ninety three. Okay, fine. So the t- Frasier was out when this book was out. I don't think that's the reference. I think, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, that Jezebel is a reference to Jezebel, the wife of Ahab in the Book of Kings. Uh-huh. Um, she's famous for turning Ahab away from the worship of God and towards the worship of Baal. Um, Baal. Worshipping a demonic god so uh, she's a bad guy setting up false altars well you know she gets maligned um there's why does the blog name themselves after a bad guy well because uh, jezebel um later in the middle ages became a symbol for a rebellious woman uh particularly one who was promiscuous um which in more enlightened times is not necessarily seen as being such a bad thing so i think that's mm. probably what's going on with ah. uh, the blog jezebel uh but it's interesting that you should have jezebel on the one hand who symbolizes all those things and then on the other hand you have daphne who in Ovid in Greek myth um per- made famous in Ovid's Metamorphoses um you mean Kafka is- idiot god no fucking I mean lit casual doesn't know anything it's fucking Franz Kafka wrote the, the metamorphosis idiot i'm talking about the metamorphoses by Ovid and one of the metamorphoses is Daphne who is a pure nymph who is hunted by Apollo. There's a wonderful... Have you been to Rome? Yes. I got There's, robbed my first night there. I actually got robbed on the train ride there from Paris to Rome. So I spent most of the uh, 12 hours I was in Rome at the U.S. Embassy trying to get an emergency passport so that I could get back to Germany. Did you take the rest of the time, I hope you did, to go to the Via Borghese in Rome uh, to see the, the fountain because it's all I saw. It's not a fountain. No, not. I the saw a big fountain. fountain. Well, there's a wonderful art gallery which houses a number of beautiful statues by Bernini, uh, including 
the wonderful Apollo and Daphne, which I think is one of the greatest statues certainly that I have ever seen. And it shows the moment where Apollo is chasing Daphne, who is protecting her purity. And she is granted her wish to, instead of being caught by Apollo, to be turned into a tree. And Bernini captures the amazing so she's moment the first of dryad. transformation. Um, the mother of all dryads. Sure, there's something to be said for that. But okay. I thought that it was interesting, and this is where I would like for you to speculate, that Jesse and Mallory choose these two figures from antiquity, one who is a symbol of rebellion and chaos uh, and sin – and mm-hmm. turning away from the light, and the other the who is a s- symbol of purity and innocence. Uh huh. Fascinating. What's interesting about that? I thought it was fascinating. You said you said what's interesting is yeah, and then you said a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Well, why well, is that's it? That's crazy. What is Anne trying to say here? <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is new for Mallory and Jesse. Yeah, they've always been the same. Their chapter two is always like. You, you've you never met two people more alike. We like all the same things, except I'm white and Jesse's black. Or if it's a Jesse book, it says, I'm black and Mallory's white. Yeah, we both like horse stories. That's the only difference between us. We like horse stories. We like babysitting. Uh, I'm from a big family and Jesse's from a normal family, except it's getting bigger because now Aunt Cecilia lives with them. Right. But now they are taking on these characters who represent the polar opposites of the feminine experience. Well, I think if if there are two people more qualified to talk about the feminine experience <laughs> than, than you and I. And cultural representations of women throughout uh-huh. history. <laughs> it's your old friend Tanner and your old friend Jack. Yeah, let's <laughs> dig in. <laughs> Let's dig in. <laughs> That's it. I thought that was interesting. Jezebel and Daphne, come on. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Okay, fine. How rich. Tanner, you know what else we desperately, desperately fucking need to talk about? How rich. What? Rather than you and me singing, um, can we just put in here the wonderful song that was written and performed for us for this segment by Baby B. Karis? Um, and just slotted in here instead. No, it's playing. Shut up, shut up. It's playing. Okay, fine, it's playing. And you don't expect to see Shut up, shut up. I'm If there's no one beside you and you're so involved, I will swallow you into the dark. Is it over? Yes, now you can talk. Fuck, Jack. <laughs> Baby Nation! That was the- and I said, uh, uh, swallow me down. Uh, uh, that's, that's that, that love and sound. sound. Swallow you. me down. Swallow yeah. me into the dark. Baby Nation, this is a segment, I'll Swallow You Into the Dark, where we talk about the crazed delusions of Babysitter's Club art director and cover designer, Hodges Swallow. A peek into his dark, twisted fantasy. Peek into his dark mind. Uh, Tanner, did you look at or think about the cover of this book this week? Um, I didn't until someone, someone signaled me. Okay, who was that? Someone told me to take a closer look at the cover. Who did? (sighs) Dear reader, as a kid, Christmas was always my favorite holiday. Uh And now as an adult, it still is. 
In fact, I usually take the entire month of December off just to prepare for the holiday. Blah, 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 blah. Happy reading, Anna Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P.S. First ever happy reading postscript, Baby Nation. P.S. Hodges Swallow, the artist for all the covers of the Babysitter's Club books, finally posed for one of his own paintings. Look on the front. He's the man in the green jacket. Oof. And then I'm looking now, and there he is. Hodges put himself in the cover for this book, Baby Nation. Why? Why this book? God, Hodges was looking good in 1995. He looks good. He looks young. He looks full of life. All right, so let's describe this as an audio medium, Tanner. So let's describe this cover for the Baby Nation. You've got... Mallory Pike on the front. She's wearing a a kind of a frumpy yellow sweater and a pink skirt. Uh, And she's hanging out with, I assume it's Vanessa. I'm going to say... Maybe it's Claire. Claire. It looks like it's Claire Mallory's only 11. Vanessa's 9 and Claire is 6. Very small. Yeah. Um, In front of them is a TV camera and some lights and uh, a bunch of wires leading every which way behind them is a large uh christmas tree um decorated with i'm gonna say 17 purple orbs (laughs) okay i i see a handful of red orbs are you colorblind okay fine 17 red or purple orbs and some if you zoom in on some the gingerbread men that are hanging they look uh they have these rictus grins uh-huh. But behind the tree, I thought you were going to say they were dolls. Uh, no, I'm not claiming that they're dolls, but that they would look make like the doll they, blind as well. They know something. <laughs> um, and behind the tree, we have a man, a very handsome but angry-looking man. I think he's he's filling the role of Nestor, of Nestor, the wise man from the Achaean side of the Trojan War in the Iliad. He's wearing a green satin members-only jacket, mm-hmm. like a bomber jacket, actually. Yeah. it's like a bomber He's jacket. wearing blue jeans and, frankly, very fly white and red sneakers. He's got some dope sneakers. And above um, his head is what looks like a thought bubble. It's actually, it could be a big light, Mm-hmm. lighting up the scene, but it almost looks like a thought bubble above this man's head. Yeah. And in the thought bubble are the words, how did it get out of control? How did it get out of control? Which is, a, that's a weird thing to ask. Yeah. <laughs> how did it get out of control? How did it get out of control? Says it Hodges. really looks like this man is thinking, how did it get out of control? And it's interesting to me that Hodges, who, who's... Designed every single cover for every single one of these Babysitter's Club books, and we're on now on book 92. Now is the time that he finally decides that he needs to insert himself into the cover to try to take some control back. And what he chooses to do with his brief moment in the spotlight, 92 <laughs> books deep, is just to say, how did it get out of control? I think he's pleading with us. <laughs> how did we get here? Yeah. This is as much your fault as it is mine. Yeah. He's not looking at the camera. No, he's, he's turned away at Mr. from Mr. Ca- Henry. Yeah. <laughs> he's holding a lasso. 
Okay. <laughs> I assumed it was uh, like electrical wire. It could be part of the lighting rig, but yeah. it look, kind of looks like it could be an Indiana Jones lasso. We'll leave that yeah. to be desired. He's done a good job. He's obviously like a sneakerhead. Yeah, he's definitely a sneakerhead. Um, <laughs> he like started the movement. He was kind of on the, the cutting yeah. edge of that. But he looks angry. His face is red. And he's asking us. He's imploring us, his viewers. How did it get out of control? How did we get here? Um, it, and it's troubling because it's like as as a, as fans of Hodges, as people who thought that one day Hodges was going to, with his genius and his insight, give us some understanding of what the fuck is going on. It's disturbing. We thought he was five steps ahead of us. Yeah, you know, we thought we were headed right to checkmate. Yeah. Now I'm not even sure. Hodges knows the rules of the game. Right. Here he is, and he's like like a deus ex machina has descended from the clouds, and the holy choirs are singing, and the clouds have opened up, and he comes down, and we're all sitting there waiting to hear the wisdom that he's going to drop. And the wisdom that he drops is, uh, how did this get out of control? Yeah. I think it's empowering. Yeah. Hodges is just one of us. He's, He's on this us. journey with us. <laughs> you know, Hodges is a forerunner in a lot of the ways to what you and I do. He was there as it happened. He, he was experiencing this. He was on this journey. He was taking this all in as Anne and Pete and Nola and, and Suzanne were writing these books. And he was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And now we are Hodges. We are Hodges. He is the everyman through which we see these texts. And there'll be a Hodges, there'll be a Jack and Tanner, there'll be someone else after we're gone. Yeah. After we've retired on our BSCC riches. And the only question that will remain to them will be the most important question of all. How did it get out of control? (laughs) There's just no controlling it. And it's, I think, not lost on Hodges that he has chosen to depict himself as Nestor, known for his wisdom, but particularly in the Iliad, his wisdom and his advice always goes wrong, right? Mm. Like what he knows. He's always spilling his dang coffee (laughs) in the Iliad. Well, in a way. Yeah. But I thought that's a lovely touch by Hodges. Speaking of this book uh, lifting characters and plots from other media properties, okay, such as uh, the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I was wondering if you caught this week's <gasps> IP Freely. IP Freely. Baby Nation, IP Freely is an unfortunately named segment, and we can't go back and rename it because we spent a lot of time naming it, and this is what we ended up with, right. where we talk about IP theft. Uh, IP right. is shorthand for intellectual property. Intellectual property. And most of the time, it is people mm-hmm. or corporations stealing ideas from Anne and the ghostwriters of these books. Mm-hmm. This week, I am almost certain it's Anne and Pete stealing an idea from a recently popular film in 1996. Anne and Pete, you got lazy. Th- tell us what happened, Tanner. Claire's voice had awakened me just as we'd been about to accept starring roles in a hilarious new comedy in which our parents leave all of us home alone by mistake. Sorry, let me read that. Let me read that again. I feel like I miss my emphasis. Yeah. Uh, hilarious new comedy in which our parents leave us all home alone by mistake. 
Now, what could Anne and Pete? What are they drawing inspiration? Oh, I've got. I fucking figured it out. Yeah, you've read the Odyssey, right? (laughs) In some ways, if you rethink the plot of the Odyssey and particularly emphasize the Telemachy, the first books and the final books uh, that are primarily about Telemachus rather than Odysseus. Oh, sure, Odysseus's Telemachus's father. Yeah. In some ways, Odysseus is Telemachus's father. Right. In right, some, of course, obviously. In some ways. And his wife. Penelope. Odysseus's wife. Yeah. Penelope. Telemachus' mother. Mother, right. Okay. In some ways, the Odyssey, which has been referenced in this text with the obvious introduction of Nestor, who's a character in Homer's Nestor words, was from the Iliad. He appears in both. Okay. In some ways, the Odyssey is a book. If you think about it from Telemachus's point of view, it's a book about Telemachus being left home alone. With his mom. With Penelope. <laughs> while Odysseus makes his way back to Ithaca. Do you don't think Penelope is capable of sort of looking after the house while She does Odysseus her fucking best. She does a very She holds good it job. together, doesn't she? There's a lot of suitors. They're still there when Odysseus gets back. I mean it's years. It's a de- it's it's 15 years, I think. But that sounds nice, huh? Wouldn't mind a fifteen minute, fifteen year break from this old ball and chain, huh? Do you realize she's? <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. I love you very much. That a in the next room. B listens to this podcast. <laughs> hey, Jack. I'm sure you wouldn't uh, mind a fifteen year break from uh, <laughs> from your little Telethopy and Penelope. Penelope. Faithful. What's the boy's name? Telemachus. Telemachus. But yeah, anyway, this has been our hit segment. Oh yeah, so they, they, and Anne and IP Pete. freely, where we talk about IP theft. They lifted it. You lifted it. Was, it, it was lazy work. The Odyssey. <laughs> yep. Guys. And and some, and a little bit of the Iliad. You lifted it from the works of Homer. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we appreciate it, but you do your own work. Any other um, segments you want to hit while we're doing segments, or should we just get the hell out of here? I do want to talk about um, grammar. Huh. That's not what I expected you to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember two episodes ago, uh, the uh, Welcome to the BSC Abbey episode? Yes. Where during my description, I misplaced an antecedent? Uh, yeah, I remember that being humiliating for you. Well, fucking hell, does Pete go ahead and talk about that this week? He calls you on it, or I don't know if he's calling me on it, but he fucking talks about it. He brings uh, it up. The book opens with a description of Mallory's story. She's writing a. It sounds like a like a horror novel, like a Christmas horror story. Mm. Uh, it begins this way: It was a cold, snowy night. There was a white circle on the window pane from the frost. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Inside the old crumbling house of the Post family, a fire burned. Shivering from the frigidity, the heat was not enough for the seven Post children huddled around. Little did they know that outside in the darkness, a pair of eyes was looking in. I think it's supposed to be Santa's eyes. Well, I'm interested in that, and I'm interested in the symbolism in that story and what it brings to bear on these texts. But something that Pete chooses to point out when Mallory is mulling over the problems in her story, shivering from the frigidity, the heat was not enough for the seven post-children huddled around. Well, frigidity had to go, says Mallory, after the way everyone made fun of it, the Pike family made fun of it. Not to mention that I'd made it sound as if the heat were shivering. 
Oh, I see. She fucking she misplaced, misplaced her antecedent. antecedent right? What a fucking noob. And I just love that that's something that Pete brought up. It's a misplaced antecedent or a misplaced modifier. I was thinking about misplaced antecedents. I was talking about them with my mother, who is here visiting me for uh, the holidays. And in her hilarious joke, she she misplaced a couple antecedents. No, she didn't misplace antecedents, but I was asking her what the appropriate terminology for that is. And she said that it's a transferred epithet, which I don't think is the case. But I was looking into transferred epithets, and it's fucking fascinating. There's, a, Do you know that there is a English word for transferred epithet from the Greek that is hypology? A transferred epithet is similar to a misplaced antecedent, but it's deliberate. It's a deliberate device that you would use. An example um, that I found on Wikipedia that is from Wilfred Owen, uh, the poem Dolce and is fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, where the helmets themselves obviously are not Baby Nation, it is our hit segment, Larange's Moment, where we <laughs> discuss the moment in this book that we realized we were reading the prose of no one else but BSC Ghostwriter. Sweet Pete. Sweet Peter Larangis. Yeah. The moment we realized we were swimming in a sweet sea of Pete. It was the moment that we realized that we were nipple deep in a deep sea of Sweet Pete's sweet, sweet treats this week. That was the Inspector Gadget theme song. Mm-hmm. And it was submitted by Baby B Katie mm-hmm. at the real Katie. 7946, Katie spelled C-A-T-Y. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that submission, and thank you to everybody who has submitted Larangus Moment theme songs. Uh, Tanner, what was your Larangus Moment this week? What was the moment this week where you realized that this book could only have been ghostwritten by the great, sweet Peter Larangus? Mom raised an eyebrow. What exactly do you consider a Christmassy dinner? Turkey. Jordan replied. Goose, Margot said. Adam honked. <laughs> Gingerbread men, Claire suggested. People, I corrected her. <laughs> People? Claire burst out laughing. Silly, we're not cannibals. <laughs> I meant gingerbread people, I said. <laughs> Not just gingerbread men, and it's cannibals. <laughs> because two layers deep, too. Yeah. It's not just the idea of eating people, but it's calling them cannibals. Cannibals. <laughs> and that's early on. That's like chapter one, yeah. There's literally no one else in the fucking world who could have penned that particular interchange. Maybe Tom Stoppard. Yeah, BSE Ghostwriter Tom Stoppard could probably yeah. do kind of a witty back and forth like that. But yeah. if you're speaking strictly about BSC Ghostwriters, it's really just Pete Larangis and Tom Stoppard. Yeah, those yeah. are the only two. And also, like, you give Sweet Pete a Mallory book, you give Sweet Pete the playground that is the Pike family. The keys to the Pike kingdom. Yeah. He's going to uh, have some fun. He's going to have some fun. And he had some fun. I imagine that yours was Pike oriented as well. Um, that was mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was the first moment where I realized that only Sweet Pete could have written this book. Call that uh, a raw Pete moment. The second was just Vanessa the poet, Vanessa Pike the poet, starts the novel by looking for uh, 
tr- desperately trying to find a rhyme for reindeer. Mm. Later on, Mallory is uh, writing one of her stories. As I was rewriting, Vanessa slapped down her pencil and said, I have it. Listen, Santa Claus put on his coat and bandaged up his sprained ear. Then he jumped into his sled and called out to his reindeer. Sprained ear? I asked. Uh, from listening to too many squeaky little elf voices, Vanessa said. <laughs> First of all, I defy Wordsworth or Keats or Byron or Shelley or any any of those fuckers Tom to come up with as good a rhyme for reindeer as Larangis just conjured. Remain here. Remain here. That's actually really beautiful. Yeah. Jack, I'm wondering if you had a... This week, did I have a bird of the week? Yeah, yeah, of course you did, because we have them every week. Fucking bet I did. I always do. No, you recently missed one. Okay, well, recently I missed a bird of the week in Mallory and the Dream Horse, which is like 60 fucking episodes ago. No, you just missed one like two books ago. Bullshit. I literally never miss one. I miss one in the Dream Horse book. That's the one time I missed it. No. Yes. You just missed one. No. Tell me yours. Jesus. You just don't do your fucking homework, okay? I have to pull all the fucking weight around here. I had to read the entire fucking works of Homer to understand his book, and you just fucking highlighted a bunch of incoherent passages. I had to watch um, all of Home Alone, <laughs> and it didn't even wasn't even relevant. Yeah, because <laughs> Home Alone is just a obvious ripoff of. It's actually the this is the Odyssey. first time this episode has come up. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of good that did. <laughs> uh, it is on the Christmas theme. No, that's true. Um, here in January. Um, Tanner, did I have a burn of the week this week? Oh, <laughs> a B plot of this book, which we haven't talked about much, is that Mallory and the rest of the BSC are spending a lot of their Christmas helping the residents of uh, Stony Brook Manor, the home for senior citizens, yep. uh, including Mallory's Uncle Joe. And they go to visit Uncle Joe to ask him if he wants to, like, help them out with the charity drive they're doing. Yeah. And he's weirdly jamming out to heavy metal, like, MTV's, like, heavy metal hour. Yeah. Headbangers Ball. Yeah. He's just there. He's listening to, like, Matt Pinfield's 120 Minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a deep cut, Baby Nation. Don't worry. If you didn't get it, most people have died who... Or old enough to understand that joke. <laughs> it's just Jack and a few other jaded <laughs> Generation Xers. Um, it's going to play well in the nursing homes. Yeah. Um, but he's like jamming out to Headbangers Ball. And at first Mallory is like, oh shit, Uncle Joe is like further gone than I thought. Right. And she's, she's like, Uncle Joe? Uh is everything okay? What? Why are you listening to like Morbid Angel? Yeah, and he's like, oh, I don't like it either, but uh, it drives Connor out of the room. Yeah, 
Connor can't stand the shit. <laughs> he's got he's like eighty and he's got a fucking roommate at his yeah. nursing home and he called hates Connor. <laughs> and he fucking it's like, like a rad boy. Despite the fact that he's suffering from Alzheimer's, he figured out that he could turn on Cannibal Corpse at the top the top volume and Connor will leave. I think Connor might be a figment. Uh well, well that makes it sad. We never see him. <laughs> he refers to him with several times, but we never actually meet or see Connor. Um, may I tell you mine? Yeah. Mine is a true burn. Okay. It's just a straight up and down burn. No fuss, no muss. Straight burn. Yep, 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 yep. I know what's coming, and it was a fucking good one. Page one, paragraph like three. Frid diggity dog, Claire collapsed on the living room floor, giggling. That made my brothers Nikki and Jordan race into the room. This what's is so when funny? They're, they're laughing about the idea that Mallory has written frigidity in her yeah. great American novel. Yeah. Frig diggity dog, Claire collapsed on the living room floor, giggling. That made my brothers Nikki and Jordan race into the room. What's so funny? asked Nikki. I thought you were cutting out snowflakes, I scolded Margot, not spying. Jordan rolled his eye. Did she need to ask permission, your highness? Sorry, Mallory, Margot said sheepishly. Dig miggity mog, Claire squealed. I said, what's so funny? demanded Nikki. Your face! called my brother Adam from the kitchen. Oh, nailed it. And this is a testament to what Sweet Pete Lorenzis can do, right? We know that Sweet Pete is capable of the heights of prose, right? Like, he can write poetry. He can write beautiful sentences. He can create emotion and build characters with his words. But sometimes when you want to do just a quick burn of the week. Yeah. You want to get in, you want to get out. There's nothing quite like a, what's so funny? Your face. Your face. <laughs> and it's just, I think there's something very beautiful about the way that Adam wasn't even there. He overheard it from another room. Yeah. And his comedic timing and razor sharp wit. He's ready with a, your face. Um, and I wish in, in this Christmas season uh, that we could all be so ready uh, with a your face. Yeah. When people reach out to us. With a what's so funny? You, you know? there, boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> what uh, what day is it? It's a, a long time after Christmas, almost a month. And uh, and and what's so funny? Uh, your face, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and what a beautiful ending. Kind of bookended the show with us. Yeah, huh? yeah, it was really nice. It's interesting we could get the fuck out of here. Yes, please. Yeah? <laughs> Baby Nation, thank you so much for listening. Tanner, thank you for being with me. Baby Nation, thank you also for your wonderful reviews and ratings on iTunes. It means a lot to us, and it helps us to rise in the rankings. And if you have not given us a nice review and rating on iTunes, I implore you in this Christmas season as a gift to us to take a brief moment and do so. In this President's Day season. This President's Day season. Please take a brief moment. Let's celebrate our President's by recommending this podcast to a friend. Let's let's set some precedents and yeah. celebrate some presidents. Baby Nation, go to your refrigerator, get out two strawberries, mash them together, go to your local singles bar, show everybody at the bar how good you are at kissing by kissing the strawberries, and then, when you have their attention, mm-hmm. recommend this podcast to them. Right. 
It's complex, but trust <laughs> us, it works. It fucking works. Uh, and we thank you for it uh, on this Thanksgiving season. <laughs> Tanner, this week we read a book. I recall. It was called Mallory's Christmas Wish. Next week, we're going to be reading a book that is called Marianne and the Memory Garden. Mm. Mm. I think what happens is Marianne's dad mm-hmm. moves okay. to mm-hmm. the continent, to India. Okay. And they have a palatial estate there. Mm-hmm. And then he catches the fever. Cholera. And passes away. Mm-hmm. And she is left in this estate all alone with her icy stepmother, mm-hmm. Mrs. Dawn, no, Mrs. Sharon Porter, mm-hmm. and has to retreat to her memory garden. Where she meets an invalid boy. Where she meets a pan-like goat boy called Tumnus. <laughs> oh boy, this got really complicated. Yeah, and then they meet Jesus, who's a lion in this for some reason. <laughs> Is it a hybrid of the Secret Garden and Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I kind of got confused. Yeah, uh, it was going so well. I'm looking forward to it. I like a good Marianne book. Yeah, you would. That's what we're reading next week. This week, however, and let's not be like Marianne and retreat into our memories, but be like Jack and Tanner and stay focused on the present, because this week, Baby Nation, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. This week, Baby Nation, if you haven't already, do us a quick favor. Round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right to bear time. And do not forget, please do not forget to let Daddy love you as much as I do. If you are a sovereign citizen, you are not being detained and you are free to go. Why? Because Claudia's wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. I was actually just reading a book of essays by Roxane Gay Mm -hmm. called Bad Feminist, and Mm -hmm. I was delighted to find that one of the first essays in the book is about Sweet Valley High. Baby Nation got me hype about Sweet Valley High. Yeah. Baby Nation, I'm sorry for implying that once we ran out of Babysitter Club books, we would stop doing the podcast. That's not the case. (laughs) We will figure out something else to do. Or not. I don't know. It's it's going to be a crapshoot. Who knows? Maybe we'll all die. The point is, we'll do this as long as you want us to do it. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. So we may move Probably, on. Probably, let's be honest, just a little bit longer than you want us to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not too much longer. No. Yeah. We're good at reading the, the tea leaves. Um, yeah. We'll probably move on to Sweet Valley High, and Baby Nation was talking about some of the plot points in Sweet Valley High, and she those books real seem those books. buck yeah. wild. They're someone wild. in Baby Nation said that someone falls into a pile of cocaine and overdoses and dies. <laughs> <sighs> Did you read that one? No, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just stop doing BSC now and switch gears? No, I need to know what happens to these girls. 
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>